you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Go to creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter and subscribe so you never miss an episode and you're able to make consistent creative progress each and every week and just stack up those creative endeavors. Now, let's get into this episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. All right, this is part three in the final part of our over overthinking when you're over overthinking and you just want to start making stuff and make some progress and you're sick of getting in your head and every day it's hard to show up and get to work if you're in that place this series is for you this is part three the final part of this series and we're going to talk about embracing the messiness of the journey just when it's getting messy when it's getting hard when things don't seem like they're working when you feel like I'm lost and I feel like I should have never started recognizing that's part of it that's part of it and so that's what this episode is all about and and the reason why is because look we all have creative heroes and it's usually their best work that most deeply inspires us. You know, you have a favorite band and then you have your, your favorite band's favorite album. Like, what is the album where you're like, that's where they were in the sweet spot, man. That's when they transcended, man. But one of the most essential things for my practice has been the practice of not just learning from my creative, creative hero's best work, but also from their lesser works and even from their messy journey to get to those masterworks. 
takes a lot of messy work to make a masterwork. Hashtag, am I right? Put that on Instagram. If you only, don't. A, oh God, I hate that. Anyway, if you only ever learn from your creative hero's masterpieces, you are going to miss out on some of the most vital lessons that that hero has to teach you. We all want to end up in a place where we're making our best work. But if we believe that it will always feel like what it feels like to make your best work all the time on the journey to get there, we will never reach that destination. What does the journey look like to get to a place like that? That's what I want to dive into now. So when you were a kid, you probably played the hot and cold game. You know, like you get your cold, cold, ice cold, warmer, warmer, red hot, your face is melting off like that game. You've probably played that before. And I think this simple game is kind of how we think the creative journey feels like. At least it does for me. You know, we look at our hero's best work and we're like, oh, it's so good. And they must have just been getting closer and closer and then had that. It's kind of like the if I'm going the right direction creatively, I will get, it'll feel more and more right until boom, there's my masterpiece. But... I've found from studying the journeys of my heroes that that is not how it works. That the landmarks that you can expect to see on the right path are actually a more complicated uh, looking trail, kind of like organ trail, if you will. Uh, you know, that old game where, oh, this guy's got diphtheria. Is that something? Um, I can't remember if that's real. A thing. Uh, or there's pitfalls, there's setbacks, there's obstacles along the way. And if we think that the road to our masterpieces is just like the warm, cold game where you're, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, we will falter. I kind of think of it like if I told you how to get to California, like, and I just told you about what it's like, be like, oh, You'll know when you get there. It is, it's this warm, lush place with palm trees and beaches and it's just succulents and it, the air is no humidity. It's just, oh, it's so beautiful. If I told you that and I said, just start driving that way, you started driving from Ohio to California. Guess what? You're going to hit mountains. You're going to hit desert. And if you think that, oh man, this doesn't look anything like what I was trying to find. In fact, it just keeps getting less and less lush. It just gets hotter and hotter and less life. You're going to turn around. You're going to think, oh, I can't possibly be going the right way. This is nothing like where I'm headed. That, my friend, is more like the creative journey in my experience is that the, the, the path to success is often a series of failures. It's often, you know, finding yourself creatively often goes hand in hand with completely losing yourself, with completely losing sense of, 
up and down and right and wrong. And you're just like, I don't, it's the dark night of the soul. That, that's what typifies the process. And if you don't know that, if you're only ever comparing yourself to your heroes, master works, you are going to stop in your tracks and head the other direction. And so in this episode, I want to go through a creative journey of someone who I'm a super fan of, a creative hero of mine. His name is Tim Robinson. He is the comic and creator of the Netflix show, I Think You Should Leave. Now, before you leave, I'm sure there's some, it's kind of a polarizing show. Uh, You know, I think it's not everybody's taste. And I can promise you, whether you like the show or not, we're not even really going to talk about the show. We're just going to talk about Tim's journey to get there because I've been hyper fixating on his work. Uh, Uh, because it's just the thing I've been most interested in lately. I've been listening to all these podcasts and episodes and all this stuff. And I just kept finding all this creative gold along the way. And I thought, this is a whole episode. And it's really great for if you are facing failures, setbacks, obstacles, things that make you feel like you must be going the wrong way. I want to stop that overthinking in its tracks and help you to push on to the lush beaches of your creative promised land. Let's go. All right. The first thing is I want to just highlight this idea. The number one is the path to a masterpiece is ugly. And I want to break that down into some practical thoughts real quick. Okay. For me, Nothing derails your path to a masterpiece like trying to make your path a masterpiece. You're trying to make the path to greatness a masterpiece when the path to a masterpiece is super messy and ugly. You know, try and fail publicly a bunch. That's the key. You know, what do successful entrepreneurs have in common? Failure. You know, often success equals 3.8 failures before that when studying entrepreneurs. You've got to stack up the failures. You know, I did a project with Lego recently where I told a story about this guy who's like, I want to go to the moon. And so he starts designing these Lego rockets and flies, but they keep crashing and he does it like six times. And then he has an idea that he realizes that there's so many stacked up rockets that he can just climb the rockets and jump to the moon and reach his target. Success is a stack of failures. And if you don't understand this, you're going to be economic with your creativity. You know, one of the things I learned while studying, you know, on accident, Tim Robinson by consuming all his content from him was that one of my favorite lines from his Netflix, Netflix show is, what's the joke? There's this thing where this guy goes into a meeting and there's a whoopee cushion and he sits on it and he, it's ridiculous and crass and outrageous. Uh, but he keeps saying, wait, what's the joke? And he goes deeper and deeper into that only to find through my research that that line was already used in a sketch that Tim wrote for Saturday Night Live years before. And I have this feeling, man, I just want this to sink in because I'm trying to internalize this all the time. Just remember that so few people are paying attention at the level that they know that you wrote that on Saturday Night Live and put it into your show. Like you're being too economic. You know, you got to roll more dice than that. You got to try and fail more often than that. 
you've, you've, you've got to let yourself realize that nobody is paying attention. You know, for me personally, what this looks like is there are so many freaking times where I make a piece of work and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a breakthrough for me. And I put it on Instagram and it's crickets. And I'm like, wow, I guess that piece wasn't as good as I thought it was. And then two years later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to post that piece again because I have something new to say about it. And I post it and it's like one of my most successful posts of all time. And you just think, what if Leonardo da Vinci had accidentally posted the Mona Lisa at the wrong time and the algorithm punished him for it? Obviously, that's a joke. But it's also true. Like, what's the joke? <laughs> it's worth saying it more than once. Giving it another roll of the dice. Giving it another try. Quit trying to make everything you say and everything that you post and every song you put out totally different than everything you've ever done and, and never repeat yourself and always, always look on point. You know, the amount of people that try to replicate the, 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 the radio head path to success that's just one masterpiece after another and, and this perfectly curated path, like you're not Tom York. It's not going to happen that way. And I just loved seeing this early version of this sketch that wasn't as good, in my opinion. It wasn't as funny. It didn't do it for me in the same way. And then see that thing evolve and try it again and again. And I think there's a lesson for us there that we will just try to embrace the fact that the path to a masterpiece is not a masterpiece. All right, number two is the only way to be ready is to start before you are. You know, in my circle, when the first I Think You Should Leave came out, I just heard about it over and over. So many friends, that's usually how it happens before you actually give something a try, right? It was just ubiquitous, kept hearing, you got to see it, you got to watch it. And uh, I watched it, I was like, man, this is incredible. And who is this guy? It's this whole myth of the overnight success because Tim Robinson, before this, wrote on Saturday Night Live. He had a whole episode on this series called Characters on Netflix. He had a whole other TV show on Comedy Central called Detroiters that I'd never heard of before this overnight success, so to speak. And if you go online, you can find these giant lists of people who you didn't even know were on Saturday Night Live. Robert Downey Jr., Damon Wayans, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Chris Rock, you probably knew, but he did not do well on that show. And he didn't become who we know him as now until he really dove into stand-up. And the point I'm trying to make is, what if you're waiting to jump when you found it, but you can only find it when you're in the air. You know, I just feel like everything we put online these days, we're like, oh man, what are they going to think? They're going to think nothing because they're not paying attention. They don't even know you exist. You'd be so lucky if they thought anything at all, good, bad, indifferent. That in itself is an enormous challenge. And the pathway is a series of stuff that you're doing before you're any good. And so, you know, watching Tim go through all these different experiences and, and all of these iterations of what he was doing and, and even having the platform of being on a show as widely viewed as Saturday Night Live and still 
not really being a public figure in any stretch of the imagination, almost none of us will ever have that kind of platform or reach. And yet we still curate our Instagram feed like there's like there's a studio audience, right? Like give yourself a freaking break to make mistakes and do something stupid and act it out and realize it in real time. Give yourself some time to find it in the air. All right, number three is finding yourself first means finding who you're not. It's kind of Yoda-ish, but not that profound. <laughs> so I find it really interesting that uh, while Tim Robinson was on Saturday Night Live, he actually went through this period, his friends say, where he felt like maybe I shouldn't be in comedy and almost just gave up. And, you know, I actually, when I was in college, I had the experience of, I almost dropped out of college and my dad talked me out of it. He's like, you know, I was doing my bachelor's in England. It's only a three-year program. Program. He's like, just do one year, get through the other side of it. If it's wrong or right, it doesn't matter. At least you didn't waste this time. You get a degree, you know, and you'll be better off for it and you can pivot from there. But you've got so far, just move, move through it. But I almost completely gave up. There was other times where I almost completely gave up and did a completely different pivot. And I highlight this to say that the path to finding yourself is often losing yourself. And it feels so, it's so not the cold, hot game. It's so not that. You don't just get warmer and warmer until you find it. Sometimes you got to completely lose it first. And, you know, for me personally, this has looked like, you know, I, I kept going through this experience where, you know, before I realized that I wanted to get into illustration, I was really firmly within the world of graphic design. And I would go to these, and I still have this experience where, you know, being in a, uh, a design-centric part of the industry, and I'll go to a, a meetup or a dinner or something, and, and I'll hear all they're talking and what they're thinking about and what they're focused on, and I will just leave that circumstance feeling either like those people are toxic and they've completely missed the point, or I have missed the point. Something's wrong with me. And sometimes... The way to find yourself is to find the wrong people. You know, maybe what I realized was maybe they're not toxic. Maybe we're just trying to accomplish totally different things. And it reminds me of this idea of a basketball player hanging out with the soccer players. And there's, I don't know much about sports, but I imagine they're sat around being like, yo, man, I just love not touching the ball with my hands, you know? That's that's what it's all about. And the basketball player's like, yeah, man. Oh, no, man. They're going to find out I'm a fraud. No, neither is toxic. Neither is wrong. One of They're just playing different games, man. And I wonder if that's what Tim's experience was. Was he just in a place where they were playing a different game than the one that he wanted to play? And so what does it look like to reach your creative truth, sometimes it's looking like being in a place that's completely false for you. And you can feel that way without judging anybody else. And so what the takeaway is for this is if right now you feel completely lost, it doesn't mean you have to give up. That is very much a part of the process. And when I feel that way, 
when I feel like I'm gasping for air, I have to remember that is a natural part of growth. That is that whole, you know, changing of the tank for the goldfish. You got to come out of the bowl to change to a new tank. And that is uncomfortable. And there's just this simplistic worldview that says, if this is uncomfortable, if this is painful, then I must be going the wrong way. And so when I've felt that way, I try to remind myself of people like Tim Robinson feeling like giving it all up and feeling like they're in the completely wrong industry and remind myself, this is all part of the process. All right, number four is sometimes measuring up and what matters means coming up short and what doesn't. You know, I had this vision of, uh, you know, trying to measure the, the whether milk has gone off with a stopwatch. You know, you click it and you're like, terrible time. This is pure madness. <laughs> it's pure madness, but it proves the point. That's not how you tell if milk is off. You use your nose, right? You're using the wrong thing to measure what matters. And we, it sounds absolutely insane, but we do this all the freaking time with creativity. You know, I was um, listening to an episode of the Good One podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, it's it's all about comedy, and they deconstruct a famous joke from a different stand-up comedian. And uh, they had Tim Robinson on the podcast, and they were going through a bunch of material. And at this particular time, I think what was happening was they were trying to measure jokes with other devices other than laughs. And it was overcomplicating it. And so the interviewer would be like, you know, why is it that you cast someone different in this focus group sketch? And then Tim would be like, well, when he said it, we laughed more. And, the, and then they're like, oh, okay. Well, uh, well you know, it, sometimes you'll use the same joke a few times in different skits. Why do you do that? And Tim would be like, well, when we used it again, we thought it was funnier. <laughs> we laughed more. And then he'd be like, okay, well, you know, you do a lot of like crass humor, like lowbrow stuff. Like how do you make sure that this stuff is not just dumb, but a uh, smart kind of dumb. And then Tim was like, uh, I don't know, but, uh, we laughed when we did that. And I just thought, man, the brilliance of refusing to measure the milk with the stopwatch. <laughs> That's a terrible analogy, but let's do it a better way. Like, don't measure cheese with just how it smells, man. Like, make sure that you're measuring the thing that matters with the thing that it needs to be measured in. This is the power of the design process. It's the power of saying, what is the, let's start with step one of the design process. Let's define the problem we're trying to solve. You know, one of the things I notice is like when people are putting stuff online, they're constantly trying to be above all critique, but every single thing that you do might be really good at one thing and by default, completely ignore everything else. And you need to allow yourself to do that. 
You need to allow yourself to fail in a bunch of areas to succeed in the one that actually counts. You know, it's about starting with the end in mind. You know, halfway through the year, sometimes I think, oh man, we always make a calendar of all of the best pieces of work throughout the year, the episode art of this podcast. And we take 12 of the best of the, you know, 40 some things that we make and we turn it into a calendar, but it's not really the best illustrations. It's the best pieces that work for a calendar. And sometimes I'll get halfway through the year and I'll be like, I just haven't made enough stuff with the kind of metrics that are uh, valuable for something like a calendar. And I just noticed like it's not always simple to make a design that'll work for a sticker for a calendar page and perform well on Instagram. And so sometimes I'll course correct and be like, okay, I just need to focus on these next six episodes. I'm going to be making them as if I was making them for the calendar. And I can do that surprisingly better when I have defined what is the goal and I'm measuring it, not based on all types of measurement. I'm not measuring it on, is it smart? Is it, is it cute? Is it insightful? No. Is it funny? That's how you measure a joke first and foremost. And sometimes we're just overcomplicating it. And so it starts with define the problem. What is the purpose of this thing that I'm making? And that instantly increases the odds that I make something quote unquote good. All right, the fifth and final takeaway from my creative hero, Tim Robinson's uh, amazing creative journey is to name your show. This is a bit of homework for you to create a title if your creative practice was in fact a TV show. So if you're not familiar with the show or you don't like the show, I'll just give you a little idea of what, what this is all about. So give you a few examples of Tim's characters. There's one where he plays a guy who swears too much on an adult haunted house tour. The guide is like, Hey, by the way, it's adults only here. So we can say whatever the hell we want. And then Tim doesn't really fully understand that and just starts swearing and saying the most awful things ever and can't understand why he's not allowed to do that when they said, in fact, that they could say whatever they want. Uh, there's another one where these aren't spoilers. Those are premises, by the way. Um, and there's a guy who makes his friend at a birthday party prove that he likes his present. Uh, to extreme degrees. There's a guy who is secretly eating a hot dog in a very distracting manner in the middle of a business meeting. Now, what do these things have in common? I think in a way, it's not obvious. And actually, as you're going about creating what you do, you'd be blown away by the similarities, the threads that are running through your work. And I always encourage people, look back through the practice and start connecting the dots. One way to do that is to try to give your practice a title, like a show title. And so what do these guys have in common? They all at some point are about to be asked to leave. That's the title of the show. I think you should leave. That's what it's about. It's the character who needs to be kicked out of a scenario. Not all of them, but a lot of them are that 
premise. And the way that they got that title was a friend of Tim's actually just said like, your characters are all people who eventually get asked to leave. And I started thinking about this for my own practice. And I was thinking about how the first story, the first talk I ever gave that led me to start this podcast was this tower story where I talk about running to the tower and getting lost. And it's a story about kind of goals and starting with the end in mind and all that kind of stuff. And you've, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me say it. I'm not going to say it again, but it's this tower story. And, you know, when I did that story, it just felt so right. And it worked so well in that talk. And it led me to want to start a public speaking career. And I started this podcast because of it. And then over time, I started to tell other stories like it, even though I hadn't even realized it was possible that there was some kind of greater thread that I could pull out of that experience. I just thought, oh, I told a story or I told a personal story. That was as far as I took it. But then looking back over time, the stories that stuck the most, and there's exceptions to this, there are stories like when I carried a fridge on my own when I shouldn't have, when I wore an inappropriate shirt to my grandma's memorial, when my car horn got stuck. Uh, when I burned myself with an iron on both sides of my face. And here's the thing. All of those stories can be titled with this smart takes from stupid mistakes. They're all stupid things that I did that I tried to redeem by pulling some kind of insightful or thoughtful conclusion from. I used these stupid things that I'd done and turned them into analogies for saying something that was deeply on my heart. And so if I, if my practice, my storytelling practice had a title, I'd call it smart takes from stupid mistakes. That's the name of my show. Now, if you're having a hard time, you might want to do this with a creative friend and don't just ask more than you give. Maybe you can offer to trade this service and say, Hey, I'm going to go back through your stuff and you go back through my stuff and we'll try to name each other's creative TV show. Now here's why that matters, by the way, is that once you have this lens, it becomes the metal detector for future gold. I've probably mentioned before, now that I have this title to my TV show, now when, when I find myself making stupid mistakes there's this amazing kind of sadist point of view about my life where I'm like, yes, some stupid thing that I did. That'll make a great story. And I actually think that's a kind of secret magic of creativity is, is the ability to take this, the fertilizer of life and grow something amazing from it. And I think when you really tap into that, it can be kind of this incredible life-affirming practice. Uh, but not only that, it also becomes just your metal detector for gold. When you have the title of your show, you are so much more able to be observant and catalog and collect those things in real time. And you'll start, once you've trained your brain to see those things, you will see more and more, lots and lots of stuff that you would have missed otherwise. And you can start taking note, cataloging them, putting them into kind of a master list to pull from over time. Okay, I just want to say one last thing, and it's just why I started this series of over overthinking. You know, this episode's just all really, it's just about 
knowing that the bad stuff is all part of getting to the good stuff. And that's a thing that I've had to actively drill into my brain because there's some animalistic thing that when bad stuff happens, you want to fight, flight, or freeze your way out of it. And if you do that, you are not going to get to the good stuff because so often the good stuff is on the other side of the bad stuff. And uh, I loved studying Tim's career because it was such a testament to this idea. And I wanted to do a whole episode about it so that it really just created this signpost in your mind and, and, and caused a kind of trigger thing to happen where when it feels bad, when you're in a rut, when things aren't going the way that they feel like they should, instead of just instantly going to your, you know, eject button to just let it instead, hopefully trigger some ideas from this episode, trigger ultimately that that is, the mess is the path to the masterpiece. And I wanted to do a whole series on this because my creative practice just has so many ups and downs in one day, let alone the over a decade that I've been trying to show up and make stuff consistently. And I'm just so glad that I didn't let any particular thing, any setback or obstacle completely throw me off course. And I wish I could go back and tell myself, hey, this is part of it. This, this is part of it. And I also wanted to create this series as a just a lighthouse in the online creator space to, to be a beacon of enthusiasm around creativity because I have so many creative triggers. I have so many things that cause me to want to give up. And I'm serious. There's, you know, it sounds so cliche, but I will go through a period of time where I get frustrated or I feel like everything's been done or I'll make a mistake or, you know, someone will say something not nice on the internet or whatever and all this. And I'll just feel like, oh, I don't want to be a creator anymore. And I don't want to do this anymore because it's too hard to do it perfectly. And I just see so many people out there online just saying so many things with the purpose of getting in people's head, with the purpose of getting less people to run the race, to thin out the competition. And I essentially want to be a force that does the exact opposite online. I want this podcast to be a thing that never causes you to overthink I want it to cause you to think the right amount, the good amount, the, the amount that helps prompt and spark you taking creative action and actually making stuff because it's hard and, and it hurts sometimes. And so I, I wanted to create this series to just be the good that I wish existed. I want to be a person that is showing up online and encouraging messy creativity with mistakes and mishaps and missteps. There are ways that I failed early on in my career that were not out of a bad heart. It was out of ignorance. It was out of, I needed to learn. I needed to try. I needed to do. I needed to jump before I found it. 
And I want to go back to that person and be like, it's okay. You are showing up in the world doing what makes us us. You're sharing your intelligence so that we can all benefit from it. And I want to be someone who cultivates and, 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 and is a connoisseur of creativity and encourage people to keep making, even when it's imperfect, even when it's hard, even when you feel like there's just so many reasons not to create. And I want to counteract the people that are out there trying to frighten and scare and minimize the competition. And so that's what this series is about. I hope that you got some of that from it. And when you're struggling with overthinking, I hope you will come back to this. And if you have a friend that's stuck with Creative Block, I hope that you send this three-part series to them. And I hope that it becomes not just a three-week experience, but a thing that lives on in your brain that shows up every single time that voice in your head comes with an attack that says, this is why you shouldn't even try. This is why you should give up. This is why you should delete your account. I hope that when you hear whatever that voice is and wherever it comes from, that you hear also the voice of this podcast encouraging you to just keep pedaling, keep going, keep creating. We need, the collective needs your intelligence. We need you to share it. We need you to make. You don't have to make it everything for everybody. You only have to add your one little part. We just need your little part. It doesn't have to be the most original thing that ever happened. It doesn't have to be a breakthrough thing every time. We just need your little piece. We're all better for it. And we want to see you keep showing up and trying to make that happen. All right, y'all, I hope that the overthinking series didn't get in your head, but it got in your hands and you started making stuff. I hope this series really is a lifeline to people that have just been overwhelmed by, you know, micro creative traumas and getting stuck in your head instead of making stuff. I, I really do hope it helps. If you have friends that you know have suffered creative block, maybe they haven't made stuff in months, maybe even years, and you know they've got creativity within them that that needs to be unleashed uh they need to find their humanity again i hope that you send them these three episodes um because that's why i made them creative pep talks part of the coloop podcast network coloop is a network of creative podcasts designed to fuel your creativity make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter. You'll get an email each week when we drop a new episode, so you'll never miss one. And you get instant access to a back catalog of episodes one through 199. Thanks to Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for our Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Pizza and Ryan Appleton for content assistance. Massive thanks to Pending Beautiful for editing the show. And, uh, Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until we speak again, stay pepped up. Mm -hmm.